Good evening, Patriots. And it's Monday, December 5th in the year 2022. On the East Coast, you're careening into the next day, which is Tuesday. And I'm hoping tomorrow, Tuesday, is going to be a better weather to get across the Siskiyou Pass heading north. With the crazy drivers that were running today, they get all jackknifed up the way. They, I think I mentioned it in the previous show. They had to jackknife. They had to close I five North, which is the main arterial north, ten miles north of Redding, California, because they had so many trucks and cars that had spun off the road. And I can tell you, it's winter driving, and people aren't paying attention, and too many people are in a hurry to get to nowhere, not paying attention to what's going on, and end up paying a price and then causing all sorts of ripple effects because of it. Before we begin, make sure that you're taking good care of protecting the security of your email. It is so important right now. There is so much digital war going on, hacking, government stealing data. If you've got Google accounts, you need to get off of them. I've become a bit suspicious of ProtonMail, which I've used and a lot use because it's based in Switzerland, and that's where like a lot of other things are based too, like CERN, like the CIA, like, like all the banks. StartMail is not based there, and it's got great features, and it's a great opportunity to look at a mail option that is very, very secure. So check this out. The protection of our privacy should be every American's right. But the government is watching. Big tech is selling our data and criminals are hacking our accounts. Everywhere you turn, we are losing our privacy. The most important step you can take is securing your email account. Consider the year's worth of emails and the information they hold about where you've been, who you've met, and what you're thinking. That's why I recommend Start Mail, a private email service that keeps your inbox safe and lets you enjoy secure, ad-free communication without surveillance. Every message can be encrypted, and when you delete an email, it's gone forever. Plus, get unlimited disposable email aliases to protect your identity. Ditch the spy mail and get Start Mail. Right now, Bards FM listeners can save 50% on the first year. Go to startmail.com forward slash Bards. That's Start Mail with a T. Startmail.com forward slash Bards right now to save 50%. This is one of the most important things you can do is to secure your email communications. Again, startmail.com forward slash Bards to secure your email privacy and your personal security. That's startmail, S-T-A-R-T.com, startmail.com. And you can check out that link below. I just read on our chat here, someone has it and said it's awesome, which I love to hear. So that's good. Patriots, I want to kind of frame some stuff from this weekend and last week. Um, yesterday when I was giving the, the uh, talk at the church up in Nevada County, that's the satellite church for Glad Tidings Satellite Church, which is in Nevada County in Northern California. And a big thanks to Pastor Dave Bryan, who uh, offered to have me give the sermon up there yesterday. This was really a really nice group. It's a, it's a really amazing group up there, actually. A small church, but just with such a rich diversity in people. You had people that have come from all walks of life. And the one thing I really loved about the church up there is that every Sunday, or I, yeah, it's every Sunday evening at five when they have their service, they always have a meal after the service together. 
and they prepare food and they bring in food. And I think really in, in truth, I mean, that's where the real church is. They, there is a lot of um, discussion. I mean, obviously the sermons are good and they're, they're very engaged and there's just a lot of Holy Spirit and love of Jesus there. But, and this is a very eclectic group when I say that. I mean, there's a wide variety of people and it's one of these groups that when, when you encounter it, you're, you're going to encounter, uh, if you were to encounter it, I think a lot of in the kind of the mainstream of the church would not know what to do with these folks. And yet they are just walking with Jesus. It's a wonderful group. They're, they're a wide range of walks of life. And the a couple things they have in common, they don't like government interference. They all believe in preparing and keeping yourself stable and secure. They work very tightly together as a community. And of course, the center point of everything is that you're all running after this deep pursuit and the love of God and the deep relationship with Christ. And so they have a nice meal after the service every night, every Sunday. And they, it's time where everybody sits down and does literally break bread and has a chance to engage and talk um, like with myself and with Pastor Dave and then and talk with one another and really get into the application of the sermon, which just brings it to life. It's literally you know, bringing the love of Jesus into the room and into the, the life of the sermon, which I absolutely love. I think it's a good model that many should follow, especially if you're working on a home church or something like that. I think it's a great model to do that so that it doesn't just become a simple Bible study and verse study, but it's it's a process of giving life to Scripture and life to what's being discussed. So when I was there, there was a, a mother of two very wonderful children that sought me out, and I've, I've met her the last time I was up there. Really nice, really nice uh, lady. And she said to me, she said, I, she's had a number of dreams, and she said, there's one I need to share with you. And it really didn't settle on me today of the importance of that conversation. I mean, I listened to it and I agreed with it, but it's very God-driven, especially in context with what was going on last week. And as you recall last week, and, and to kind of bring that to speed, you know, we went through a lot of the child sex trafficking things this last week. It's been a pretty heavy week last week of some very heavy and visceral topics and kind of looking at a way forward because there's also the potential for a lot of disempowerment when you feel something is so overwhelming and so dark that it's you don't really know what to do. So there's a potential to, to disconnect, be, feel disempowered, or even another direction to get angry and to split off into kind of a bunker-up mentality, which we don't need either of those. But her, her words to me were that in this dream what she had seen and what she had been shown is that when the eyes of the nation finally turn to value and protect the children, the glory of the kingdom will rain down upon us. I think there's an absolute core truth to everything in there. How we get there is a process. And we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. But I want to step back just a minute before we talk about that part of this work that we're in because children are essential in everything we do. And there's absolutely no question in my mind that the enemy has assessed us very well to realize that we're apprehensive to step forward into the fight and defy and to stand up for what is most precious. 
And the enemy doesn't have any doubt in their mind that while we have the one true God, the greatest God of all, we don't trust in him enough and rely on him enough to fight the way they fight. And so they think they can roll us up and roll us over. And there's a certain truth in past performance that definitely demonstrates that. But what I want to do before we really dig there is I want to share a story with you, which I think is very empowering and is a reminder of the impacts that we can have on a daily basis. Now, in a daily basis, we're kind of going around and we're, a lot of people, and I get these emails and I get the context. It's like, what can I do? What can I do? And I think we forget so much about how powerful it is to just reach to people and bring them to Jesus and what that actually means. So I want to share a story with you. This is an interesting story. This is from, this is, comes right from a very good friend of mine and who's telling me a story of a good friend of his. And this individual was very high up in Wall Street. He was um, very successful. And then through a, some processes in his life, he fell very, very hard. And when he fell that hard, he found himself literally at the bottom rather than the top. He's come from a very affluent family and very affluent lifestyle. And in the process, found himself at the other end of the spectrum. And what picked him up was a deep and passionate love he found in Jesus. And in that process has now become a just a relentless evangelist for the love in Christ. So I want to read you this story that he shared. And where this is, is this is a, a young man that he encountered at his local grocery store. It was at a Kroger. And this young man was the cashier there. And in the process of conversations, literally in the grocery store, in a work shift, this guy, who will just, for the sake of tonight's conversation, we'll refer to him as John, John brought this other young man who we'll call Larry, and I'm, I'm keeping the names out for good reasons, but John brought Larry to Jesus at the cash register. This is pretty profound. So I, I want to follow up with this story because he goes on and he says, remember Larry, the young Kroger supermarket clerk who received Christ while we were in the checkout line last week? Larry invited me into their very small rental home he shared with his single mother who had just finished a 16-hour shift as a nursing home worker and was asleep upstairs and his 18-year-old girlfriend who just gave birth to their first baby a few weeks ago. They are struggling to survive with very little. He continues, the vulnerability of their youth and circumstances struck me as poignant and reminded me of a moment of that, of a, of that young couple who had only the strangest and most meager and awkwardly arranged lodgings for their new baby. Born to betwixt oxen and ass 
and the contrasting ironies of ob- obscurity and glory, all in the sleep, sleepy little town of Bethlehem. We talked about grace and truth and mercy and struggles, the love of God, and Larry's new journey in acceptance of Christ. What are the implications? In the midst of this, we were interrupted by three other family members who stopped by the house to basically check me out and to try to figure out my motives for reaching out to them. Was I a drug dealer? Some kind of con artist? Why would some stranger come over to their house just to talk about Jesus or to, get the, or to give them a Bible? They were all skeptical. It's a rough neighborhood. A drug dealer lives next door, and there is a meth lab a block away. Another home meth lab blew up last week just two blocks away. They described how ineffective law enforcement has been in addressing local drug dealings. Half of their friends are addicted to drugs, and the others are in trouble with the law or just trying to survive. Larry's father has been in prison for most of Larry's life. His girlfriend, Jenny, was abused and abandoned by her drug-addicted parents as she shuttled between various cities and homes and family members and and others to survive until she escaped in her mid-teens and found a job so she could have consistent food, clothing, and shelter something she had not been able to rely upon as a child. Now Jenny has a, has a child of her own, even though in some ways she is still a child herself as a teenager, but she has learned to become street smart, and she is an intelligent young woman who is also very sensitive and very wounded. She told me she believes there is someone or something above us all, a force or presence, but she has always had a hard time believing there is a loving Father God in heaven. Otherwise, how could such a God see her in suffering, hunger, abuse, fear, and loneliness as a child and not rescue her? I sense the Lord leading me to sit in silence and not retort with answers. I felt the need to just listen in humility and seek empathy for the challenges this young couple has already experienced in life. After nearly two hours, I thanked them for their hospitality and kindness and told them I look forward to getting together again, and they welcomed that even as I encouraged them to read the Gospel of John so we could discuss what they discovered about Jesus when we get together again. And then they invited me to pray over them and their newborn baby. Something flashed across my eyes and illuminated the scene in a new way. These two young people and their newborn baby. I thought of of the lowly shepherds who had been summoned by angels to a most humble, obscure, and inauspicious setting to encounter the Christ child just a baby to the natural eye. Yet Almighty God designed to enter time and space in the Holy Incarnation to remind us once again that things are not always what they appear to be at first. 
I left that house last night wondering how much more I have to learn before I can really see people like Jesus sees them. This is a very humbling story, and and the images that I was sent are equally humbling of some very simple and very um, meager, meager surroundings. And so it's given me a lot of thought today on just where we are. Today I, I stopped in on the way up and I filled my tank without a second thought with gas at nearly $5 a gallon. Tonight I grabbed a motel room in Reading at $180. And as I did, I thought back to how five years ago that $180 would have been what I had needed just to pay a cell phone bill and cover food for the month. God's taken me a long ways. And it's a place where in this walk, we have to very much remind ourselves of the necessity to remain humble and the necessity to continue to give. We're in a strange world with a measure of elite that are so massively wealthy, we can't even comprehend the amount of wealth that they've created on the backs of humanity. And all they do is seek more. And they seek more power, and they seek more control, and they seek more of everything. And we're out here facing people who would just like to make sure that they have enough food for the night, to make sure their rent is paid at the end of the month to have a place, maybe just a little bit more than just a sofa to share for the whole family. Maybe actually have a chair where someone could sit on and enjoy them next to the sofa. Maybe have an extra bed. When we're talking about impact into society and we're talking about the big things, and this isn't to diminish in any way that the engine of horrors that seems to run this world, which at the core of so many things is centered around children and their exploitation and their brutal treatment. It's not to deny the reality that we're dealing with a moral bankruptcy in our culture that is beyond measure. But when we're looking for things to do, and I hear this so often, what do we do? I, th- I guess I'm surprised that we forget so simply that just bringing someone to Jesus and introducing them to the intimacy of the Father can literally transform lives and save lives at the same time. That's an action that every single day we should be engaged in. This individual, John, brought this young man, Larry, to Jesus in the checkout line at Kroger, and he was the cashier. What more can be said? That's phenomenal. And for those that are ritualistically and based on this and are going to argue that he hadn't accepted Christ because he wasn't baptized and he didn't do certain things, I'm going to push back on that and say that's wrong. Because this young man needed to meet Christ, and he was brought to Christ. And in the process now, he will have a journey with Christ that will bring him very close in his life. We get wrapped in our doctrinal approaches to to Jesus, and in the process, we forget the intimacy and the love of Father and sharing that intimacy and that glory with Jesus, with others. 
this is a profound moment in time where we have to start making some very hard decisions about what our mission is here. There's a lot of things that are weighing heavy on us. There's some very critical things that are sapping our energy and our hope away from us. We vote and we know that the vote is rigged. And so the system we're in constantly tries to remind us that there's no way that we can succeed. We watch and learn more about the abuse of children, the use of children for a commodity, They're the constant attack on children for good reason of why the elite do it. And we stand seemingly powerless as they shred the very gift that God gives us to protect. And then we forget at the same time those that truly need something simple. He's not asking for money. He wasn't asking for anything. Just he was looking for the guidance that he found through a process of living and introducing himself to be introduced to Jesus. And in the process, this man, John, brought him a Bible so he could begin that walk and that journey. Those are some powerful things that we can do. And those are things that we can do every single day in the pursuit of things every single day that never stops. So I guess when we start and we, we start to question and we start to wonder what we can do and we start to look at our gifts and talents, there is one gift and talent that every single one of us shares. And that's the pursuit of Christ and the sharing of that with others. Glad Tidings has a saying, they say, we must free ourselves and keep ourselves free and help others to be freed. That's a mantra that really should shape about every single thing we do in this walk in life. It's rather profound when you think about it. There's no question that at the core of all things, ultimately this nation needs to turn our eyes towards the value of children. And when we get focused on the extremes of that, which are the extremes of, of horror, which is the sex trafficking, the selling of children, the trafficking of children around the world, the, the absolute horror show that goes on there, which is beyond measure. We have to also remember that there's another type of need for children, the stability of the family, which is so important. Our families have been broken and been, see, and been attacked. This is part of the war that's being waged right now. So many children are raised with broken families, without fathers. Here's a young couple that's trying to struggle and fight their way through this. That's going to need the support. And the way they're going to get through this ultimately is that foundation. It's going to connect them to Jesus and ultimately to Father God. And what's really humbling about this is this is, was all done by a man that really didn't know Jesus until later in his life. A man who had everything in the sense of the material world, and lost everything, and then found even more wealth in his love in Christ. And so now puts himself on a path of just perpetual evangelism. He's, a, he's literally, he, he's a disciple for the Lord without bounds. He sees nothing before him that will stop him. He doesn't care whether it's at the market or whether it's on the street corner. And his idea is, let me show you what Christ has done and what he can do for you. I, I just can't compliment that enough. And I think it's a reminder for us all of the mission that we truly have. This is a really 
important time for us to reflect. We need to do more in this way. Kingdom expects that we will do more in this way. You know, in the process of last week, which has been a very powerful week for me in moving through the process of talking about Balenciaga, the, the, the horrors that went along with that, looking at where Christ stood with, the, with his comments towards children, the fact that quite literally in, in, in Scripture, there's only one exacting judgment that comes about by a crime, and that is, as we've talked about this last week, when you talk about harm to the little ones, it is a very specific outcome that Christ talks about, that it would be better to have a millstone around your neck and be cast into the sea. That's a very damning and very ruthless punishment and an understanding of just how valuable children are to Father God. And yet we've missed that as a culture. We've failed at that miserably. We've allowed the idea of abortion to become mainstreamed and accepted. Churches don't rally around the concept. They just basically, so many now, wince to the idea of even standing up. They worry only about their congregations and they stay within their walls, and then in the actual public event, it's more about an issue that it's their choice. It's never been a choice for Father God. Moral law is his premier, supreme law, and there's nowhere in moral law that damaging the little ones, killing the unborn is accepted, period, end of story. And yet we walk silently amidst this horror, and we accept it. As a culture, when, when we live that way, then we start to even turn our eyes away from someone like Larry and his family. We don't see the value and importance of what they're, where they are and the need to, to minister to them and to literally raise them up in the glory of the kingdom. So in this process of our walk, and there's a lot to come in 2023. I talked about some of that tonight, the, the coming expansion of developing 500 new podcasters or more, developing an ability at county level to start gathering and building intelligence maps to really know what's going on in the, in the side of criminality and, and violation of kingdom law. But here's the bottom line. All of that's wonderful and useful and necessary, but it's not going to accomplish the primary mission unless we take the initiative now, which is to bring people into the fold of Jesus and the love of Father. That's the ultimate mission. And as we nick away at that mission each day, we get closer to the real need, which is the love and value of the little ones. In our culture, and I won't speak globally, though I'm assuming that there's similar problems because I can't speak firsthand globally on this, but I can say that within the United States, we have fallen a long ways from the nurture and love of children. Children have become more about becoming better than us, being more successful in social climbs, becoming more successful financially, becoming better than the neighbor's kids, 
accomplishing and achieving more for the benefit of ourselves so that we look good amongst our peer class. That's unfortunately commodifying children in the most horrific way. And I see, think we see the outcomes of that in the current day. The meager surroundings of a child are important to understand that it's the parenting and the love that they need. I have met people that I've, as I've learned about their situations in their marriage, their children are still being raised beautifully. I told the story last night of the girl that we, young lady that we worked with in deliverance and seeing how through a broken family she was so damaged and now through the deliverance work and a mother who's just pushing hard in her commitment and dedication to the Lord is struggling to bring her daughter back and huge strides have been made. Our entire effort as a nation should be focused on the children. And I think as the mother shared with me last night, that when the eyes of the nation turn back to the children to value them, the glory of the kingdom will will shed down upon us. I think there's, without question, absolute truth. And we can begin that in so many ways. And even tonight, in an earlier show, in the previous show, I read how somebody had said that they had finally the, the interconnectivities and the weight of what's going on with the children has finally settled in, and the question is, what are the first steps? Well, the first steps are to just simple things like this. Find a family. Give them some support. Give them prayer. Provide them with some sustenance that they may need. Give them a Bible, which is where we feed first on all things we do. Make sure that every family that is in that is, is a meager circumstance has a Bible to work from. These are things that we can affect immediately, You don't need special training. We don't need to have a seminar on how to do a podcast. We don't need to have a seminar on how to develop intelligence modeling. None of that. That will come. But I I reflect back on what Father God shared with me last week when I was saying to him, and these were my words, I said, Father, and I prayed into this. I said, Father, when we talk about a loving, a forgiving and loving heart, and then we deal with the issues of children being raped, it doesn't sell well. And it doesn't set well with me either because I'm not seeing your vision. I'm not seeing the world through your eyes. And if your message to me is to endure, then that's a message I will share because you know my heart. I will do as you command me and direct me to do. But that itself doesn't seem to be consistent with with the Bible, Old Testament or New. So as I continued my prayer, I said, Father, I need the guidance I need to see this world, and I'm asking you to please give it to me because I need to see how you're seeing this so that I can understand where we are because this is a topic that's emotional and visceral, and it makes us want to go to war. And as I shared, that is when he said, you're not ready. Those words have struck very deeply with me because they are like all things God says. Simple words seem to have volumes behind them that seem to, um, the pages seem to, reveal themselves in the days following what seems to be a simple communication. Initially, I saw that and understood that to be in preparation for the child sex trafficking thing. But as those words have sat on my heart and they begin to unfold, 
the volumes of information that's being shared in a simple set of words. What Father is also saying is we're not even taking care of the basics that are around us already. We're not ready because we haven't learned to forgive and to love around us where we can. We're not seeking this out enough. We very much, there's much effort many times to focus on our families. That's great. But what about beyond that? What are we teaching our children if we're not taking them into the world? What are we teaching our children if we're not leading in the world by example to bring them into the world to engage with the reality of the world rather than propping them up just to be great little kids? There's a friend of mine, he's in Portland, and he has a family of 10 children. And recently they were called to God to do a a travel, so they got in a, he has a motorhome, and they drove across the country for, I think it was almost three months, he just got back. And they visited the reservations, they did evangelism. But this is what's really interesting, because we talked today, and we were, his children now have taken an interest in deliverance. And what's happening is his children are now engaging other children with deliverance, and they're doing it fearlessly. In fact, the other day, he said that they were facing a challenge of something pretty dark, one of these transgender pedophile events at the, reading at the libraries. And he was concerned about where this would lead his children and how they would address it. And as he said, he said, I was pleasantly surprised and equally a little bit amazed at how the first response from his children was, all we have to do, Dad, is pray and bring Jesus into the event. They're, they are fearless, and they're seeking to help others. That is a, in a great example of a family that's now allowing their children to be in this fight. It's not enough just to teach our children how to survive. They have to be in this point in time, in my opinion, and this is a bold opinion, but we have to be bringing our children into this fight because just to shelter them and not allow them to express the glory of God out there and to help other children of their age and to encounter and to see what's going on and to be part of bringing people to Jesus, I think is a shortfall that we, it needs to be addressed. Families now, as, as we move through here, can help other families. This is not naive, and nor is it, is it some sort of idealistic view. But this is a time when we are truly trying to rebuild from bottom up. Our justice system is broken. Our society has lost its moral foundation. We have a society that truly works on everything material. You know, for all of the blistering commentaries that exist about Karl Marx, which are done primarily by people that have never read the bulk of his work, and I have, They've missed one of his most impactful critiques of society. You don't have to like his work, but his work was accurate in how he portrayed humankind. It falls into the category of historical materialism. That's how he saw the world, the lens on which he placed on the world. And this was its foundational principle. All relationships in human existence are based on a commodified exchange. Let me expand on that a bit. What Marx was saying is that nothing was done for free. 
that there was always something given with the expectation that something would be given back or returned. Sadly, he's right. And even worse, he's right in so much of the way that even Christians walk in the principle of giving. People give with the expectation of receiving something in return. They give because they too often because they expect that God will then give back to them tenfold. They give to a church with the expectation that they're going to get some kickback from their 501c3 for their taxes. And if you get into big money in the churches, believe me, that's a money laundering scheme. That's all about hiding cash in the name of God so you don't have to pay taxes on it. We have accepted one of the most principal basis of relationships that Marx himself defined as we excoriate him for being the father of communism and all this other stuff, which is not exactly true, and that's a long show that I'll give to another time. But he was accurate. He identified truly who we are as people. And I think that's one of the reasons that he's so disliked on both sides is because he nailed it right in the middle. That we are all a part of a big lie to ourselves that we won't do anything unless we get something back. That's a sickness that we have to overcome. There's no question that giving brings greater wealth, but it doesn't bring it in the terms of mana falling from the sky or bank accounts swelling up. Sometimes we see that, and that's God working. But the greatest thing about giving and giving from our heart, and something like giving where this in this story tonight, the story of John going to give a Bible after he brought somebody to Christ, this is profound. This is a story of truly giving from the heart and the love of Jesus with no expectation. In fact, he even said that he was guided to sit humbly and listen to the stories and the questioning of God. He didn't get into a debate about how God does this for you, which is the classic response. Oh, you must not question God. You're here for these circumstances because he's raising you up and he's, he's giving you challenges to overcome. That's, that's nice platitudes. It doesn't touch the ground in reality. It doesn't feed the baby. It doesn't clothe the baby. It doesn't pay the rent. So sometimes people just need to express their truths, and sometimes we need just to listen and let them speak their truths. Because it's there that as in our presence, as we have brought Jesus with us, he has an opportunity to do his work, and we have to trust in that that he will. This is a rough life. And whether you're in a comfortable position or a not-so-comfortable position, if we're really going to be honest with us, this is a pretty brutal world. We have our ebbs and flows. And I think it's important that we realize that just as John is a good example of the story tonight, you're only a hair's trigger away from being on the street. We don't know what's going to come and what's going to knock us over. The one true relationship that we have in all things is Jesus and that rock of faith. The whole story of Habakkuk is one I keep coming back to. And it's one that cycles through my head over and over. Where Habakkuk sits and he's talking to God and he's asking God what's going on with with his world and his life in Israel. And 
God lays out the plan that they're going to be sacked, that they're literally going to be taken down by the Babylonians. And Habakkuk is is like, what type of God are you? I thought you were a loving God, a merciful God. And God then lays out to him how this works and gives him a bit of a glimpse to how he sees the world. And it's the most profound journey in a prophet because he ends up arriving, Habakkuk, at a place where he suddenly realizes that the only thing that he has that will be consistent and true is that love and Father God. That where he sits there, he's somewhat comfortable, but he's seeing the end of something that is going to turn into a miserable period. Israel's going to be sacked. People are going to be enslaved. And yet what he realizes at the end is all of that is being done ultimately to bring people back to the Father. And that what he has, no matter whether there's fruit on the trees or animals in the stalls, even if it's all void and without any of that, what he has is the love and Father. It's a reminder for us all. And so in this time, especially in the holiday season, when there is so much need, let's not worry about yet about how we're going to execute the perfect strategy and build the perfect intelligence maps to overcome the deep state's network of global child sex trafficking. It's a visceral and important topic that will never go away until we solve it. But like all things, we have to crawl before we walk, and we have to walk before we run. And the one place that we can all begin is to simply bring Jesus into the world and everywhere we go and accept the the challenges that are put before us, even if it's in a supermarket checkout line, to introduce and bring somebody to Christ. And then to make sure we follow up, as John did. Because after that, he sought out the family to bring them a Bible. This is a time to do that sort of action. And in spite of all the craziness going on, it's the one thing that we can be constantly reminded at, constantly empowered by, is the true, true power of giving. Giving from the depths of our heart without expectation, but truly the heart of a cheerful giver. Giving because we know that in the kingdom, it's not what's expected, it's the way the law of the kingdom works. And when we walk in there without the expectation of return, we gain a wealth that's greater than anything material, anything that we can touch. And we're simply walking as God needs us to walk in this world. So patriots, I'm just leaving this encouragement tonight a story that reminds us of the simple act of giving, a story that reminds us of how powerful the simple act of giving can be without having to spend a dime. It's giving somebody the greatest gift they could ever receive, the greatest wealth they could ever know. It's that love in Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this evening for the blessed story of a reminder of just how powerful The relationship with Christ can be as the gift to a young man, to a young family, and to those that perhaps have never known you or understood you. Father, we pray tonight for this young family that we don't even know, 
and there's many more like them. Our prayers go for them to be comforted in the joy and the beauty that Jesus brings. We pray for them for the struggles they go for go through to appreciate the little things that are given that grow to be such huge gifts over time. We pray for their children that no matter what the circumstances, even if meager, that they can grow up knowing the power and love of Jesus to know that no matter how they endure their life, they will always be comforted and always be with Jesus. They will never be alone. And we pray for that healing that comes to the relationship with Jesus. That healing that can heal the wounds that seem to, be, to fester forever. The wounds that seem to be such deep scars that we can't overcome. Those are the places that Jesus can touch and, be, and put an end to. Releasing people from the bondage of the past and opening up the potential of the now and the future. Thank you, Father, for these gifts of these stories. Thank you for the people like John who remind us of the daily sense of discipleship and sharing and the passion to push Jesus out into the world no matter where he is. May we all learn from that, embrace that, and carry that as a mantle in our daily walk. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Consider how powerful this giving season can be if we don't rely on packages and money, but instead we bring the light of Christ into people's lives. From there, let God guide. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body